Blog Talk Radio. what is love and we celebrate love in so many ways especially during the month of February each and every year but do we really know what love is and how much it really matters 
And is it something that happens to us? Can it happen for us? What role do we play? Stay tuned and find out. This is your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am the founder and CEO of the Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to providing the basic necessities of life to underprivileged children. I'm also a reconnective healing practitioner, certified vibrational sound therapist, and positive psychology and energy psychology therapist at Quantum Wellness Center, my private practice located in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. My guest, Dr. Armin Zeta, is a professor at Johns Hopkins University with doctoral degrees in medicine and philosophy, as well as a master's degree in public health. Now, as a cardiologist and scientist, Dr. Zeta knows from firsthand experience about the close relationship between heart disease and the state of the mind. He is the author of this is the most wonderful book on love. It is a great, great book. The name of the book is The Forgotten Art of Love, which just launched in November and is the topic for our discussion. So welcome to the show, Armin. Thank you for taking time to join us here at Energy Awareness Radio. How are you being? I'm doing very well. Thank you, T, and it's really great to be on your show. I have to say, when I got your book, uh, the moment I got it, I work with your publicist a lot, and the moment I, the book came in the mail, I emailed her and said, yes, absolutely, positively, and I wasn't able to get you in in November, and I wanted to get you in in February because of Love Month, because we always do the theme of love, and I think at this time in the state of the world that we're in, so many people are looking and grabbing and hungry and thirsty for love. They just don't know how to go about doing it because they don't really understand what it is. And so that's why I wanted to have you on. And then knowing that, well, you know, you are a cardiologist and my last name is Love. So we're going to make a great team tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's, we will. that's a given. <laughs> yes, you know. And, but for me, you know, when I saw that the name of the book is The Forgotten Art of Love, I realized that, yeah, hmm, it is a forgotten art, isn't it? And that's the other reason why I wanted to have you on the show. So before we get into what love is and all of that, can you tell us how did you come to write this book? Well, <laughs> there are actually a number of reasons. Uh, I mean, for one, there's the philosophical aspect. You know, like, like as you alluded to, like everybody else, I'm trying to make sense of his life and you know, what the purpose of, of this all is. And, you know, and love clearly is an answer, if, if not the answer. But as you also said, we seem to struggle with keeping love as, a, as our focus in life. And, so, and, and that kind of leads into the science aspect. And I am foremost actually a researcher and as a scientist, we're trying to understand things. So I was always very interested to know why we're struggling keeping uh, a focus on love in our lives and, and particularly why love is so central for our happiness. Uh, is it anchored in our biology? And there's some where some of my medical background comes in, you know, trying to understand how love affects our body and mind. And in regards to me being a cardiologist, particularly we know that love has a profound effect on health, in particular heart health. And there's almost every other week now is there's another report showing that in the quality of marriage um, whether you're steadily happy 
or improving your happiness during your relationship or not happy correlates with, with, with cholesterol and blood pressure values. So we know that folks who have loving relationships will live longer and healthier than those in unhappy relationships or without any relationship. So there are a number of reasons to be interested in exploring the nature of love. In addition, there have been some things in my life, you know, as, 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 as everybody experienced some life events which point you in one uh, direction or the other. And in my case, it kind of reinforced my interest in, in trying to understand the, the phenomenon of love. You know, and and it does have a very uh, physiological effect on us and psychological effect on us. It has every effect on us, you know, love. But for me, in just experience and and everything I've read and people I've talked to and and studies I've done, it it seems to me that there's two emotions in this world, two big ones, love and fear. And love is everything good and positive and fear is everything negative and not so great. And, you know, that's, that's everything that goes from mistrust to to you know anger and resentment and hatred and all of that and love is everything else compassion kindness and really being aware of what it is that you're putting out there every day and so many people think that you have to wait for love to come to you I don't believe that's the case (laughs) for me it it isn't something that you can that that comes to you it's something that you need to cultivate on a daily basis and as you wrote in your in your book it is an art form and i agree with you 100% that it is it, it absolutely is an art form because it's a practice it's something that we need to cultivate because it doesn't matter whether it's romantic love or intimate love or friendship love or the love of a pet love of a parent parent to child child to parent sibling to sibling it doesn't matter what it is it still needs to be cultivated and it still is an art form and we only can make it good when we practice it consistently what are your thoughts well (laughs) I couldn't agree more, and but that goes to the core of the of the issue, really, uh, because I mean it's very clear that when we talk about love, you know, typically, and when we look at movies or songs, or in the most context of our society, there we're getting a very different picture of love, and and a, a picture of love which is you know heavily propagated by these media. So it obviously it, it it speaks to us in some way. Uh, and that is the kind of love, you know, you, as you said, which basically magically comes over us and, and transforms us and puts us into this state of acceleration. And and it is wonderful. I mean, everybody who ever you know fell in love, you know, knows that this is this is a a state, you know, which we we all will remember for the rest of our lives, that which we crave. And and uh, the the problem though is that. You know, at least you know you and I agree that that is not all what it is to love. And in fact, this portion of of the the falling in love, you know, portion where we are so so head over heels and uh, in, in this state of passion, um, you know, may not even be part, or maybe part of a romantic relationship. You know, but it may actually have much less to do with the love. You know, what we are talking about. Than it's commonly perceived, and and that is a very difficult thing to say because I mean again, you know, we want that 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 magic, and and it wouldn't be nice. It would be so nice that if if love was that that thing which just you know comes over us and it just stays with us, and you just have to be lucky, and it has to strike us, and 
Um, but uh, the practice and, and experience and research now shows, and I have to go into more uh, the research aspect, is that, that, this is, that there is a disconnect. Uh, and there is the, the fact is that this phase what we're talking about, which is propagated in the movies and, and, and songs, etc., is a phase. Uh, it is a phase which you know, particularly occurs in the beginning of a relationship and, uh, and quite predictably after two, three years later, by the latest, then these overly exciting feelings you know, started to decline. And I'm not by any remote stretch saying all of a sudden we don't have any emotions anymore for our partners. No, on the contrary. Uh, but is it qualitatively difference there and and even those in 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 happy long-term relationship and i myself um, count myself as as, as one of those and have to admit that there is a distinct difference in this in the perception of the early phase versus the later stage uh, relationship and and there is so there is some of the disconnect you know we, we we craving that early phase but the early phase eventually comes to an end and then there's a different phase, and this different phase is actually uh, what we're talking about, about you know, love and actually long-term love. But this kind of love requires our active involvement, and that's why it, you know, it's much harder to achieve. And it's, much, it's, it's fairly easy to fall in love. We don't have to do anything uh, about it, actually. We don't have much control over it, in fact. But the long-term love is something which, as you said, requires our involvement and requires actually heavily our involvement and so much that it as, as you said it, it is an art form because it is it is all of a sudden you know once that all these very powerful hormones which are present in the early phase of, of romantic relationships kind of starting to decline uh, all of a sudden you know we need to um, we need to uh, make decisions uh, and uh, we are uh, in a situation where the day-to-day activities were wear on us much more heavily than they than they did before, and we can get into this in much more detail in terms of really what's happening in our brain. But overall, yeah, I agree with you very much that there is a distinct uh, difference. Uh, but that long-term love, that what really you know makes us happy in the long run. Uh, very much you know, not only requires our involvement, but it really requires our, our active uh, involvement. And, and, uh, and, and this activity, uh, I, I believe strongly, is, is, uh, can, be, can be characterized as an art. And, the, okay, so the euphoria of falling in love. Now, we've all, well, not all of us, but many of us have done that. We've been there. We feel it. We've seen it. And I know that when I see, you know, friends or something or, or coworkers and they'll say, oh, my God, they just started a relationship. It's like, all right, you can't talk to them for six months because they're crazy in love right now. You know, it's going to be about a six month, you know. So you've got to give them, cut them some slack because they're in that nutso phase. And they're right. like, oh, my God, T. And I say, no, it's true, you know. But the, the disconnect part, and this is what's key, I think, is that, yes, that euphoric feeling is going to subside. But there doesn't need to be a total disconnect because if it's really true love, in my opinion, my humble opinion again, you know, when you're in love with someone and you're in a marriage, you put them first and they put you first. And nobody mm-hmm. expects anyone to do anything 
to the detriment of someone that they love. In the name of love, mm-hmm. you wouldn't do that. That's not love. So right. you have these, you, you may have a, um, it's not even a dwindling of anything. It's just the, the, the deepness and the richness of the relationship growing. And you still can have, and this is what I don't think people get, and this is what I think people are looking for. They're looking for that euphoria to last forever. Okay, first of all, it's not going to, but you can have euphoric moments and times, and you have to work at them. And as you just said, it's an active working, but I'm going to go a step further because I know in many, many times when I have couples come in, Many, many, and please, people, don't email me. This is based on what I get, okay? <laughs> Couples come in, and many times the women are, he doesn't do this, he doesn't do that, he doesn't do this, he doesn't do that. It's my anniversary. He should have gotten me this. It's my birthday. He should have done What did you do for your anniversary with him? Because it's not your anniversary. You married someone. And it's yours together. It's not yours alone. So both parties need to work at it, not one, because, you know, it takes two to make a marriage. It takes one to get a divorce. Mm -hmm. And people don't get that. A lot of women, and I'm, again, you know, sorry, but this is what I've seen many, many times, are very, it's all about me, and I should be the princess. Okay, you should but he should be the king and you should be the queen. And that's how it should be. You put them first and they put you first. And that's where I think the happiness part of it comes and the love gets deeper and richer because love is very sacred. It is a sacrament that you make with this person. It's very sacred and you need to treat it as such. Now, you're the cardiologist and the one who wrote the book. How crazy am I? (laughs) No, I think you nailed it really, really well. Uh, And the key things... Uh, and I want to just emphasize you know, that, that, that in a relationship, in a loving relationship, uh, the partners work towards the happiness of each other. And, and as you said, both have to. It does not work. And one person uh, works towards the happiness of the other one, and the other one doesn't. Uh, it's just it it, it 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 cannot work. So that's why it is it is difficult for one person just to. Um, to to work towards someone else's happiness, uh, but the f- fact that two people do it at the same time make it even harder, and that's why relationships in general are you know, challenging you know, because it it does take two, and it takes two people really consistently looking out uh, for each other. But but it, but that is it, it is that simple. It really is that simple. If, if the two people really honestly uh, work towards that goal. A relationship um, is is bound to be happy, and and the the key aspect you also mentioned is prioritizing, uh, and that goes yes. to the to the art of loving. The the, the key problem you know, with relationships is that there's a lot of interests we have on a daily basis, and there's a lot of things uh, getting our attention, and there's job, and there is. Uh, uh, there is uh, um, enjoyment, and there's friends, and there's you know uh, ambitions. Uh, I mean, there's so many impulses we are experiencing essentially any minute of the day, and these, all these impulses, they're trying to pull us away in different directions. And the art of loving is just to recognize these impulses and to make decisions and saying, well. What is most important to me? And if indeed you know, the relationship and love is most important to me, then I will prioritize my relationship and my love you know, over all these other aspects. And that 
essentially, in a nutshell, is the secret to love and to, to happy relationships. The problem is it's very difficult because these other impulses which work on us all the time are very, very powerful. Uh, and mm-hmm. and uh, so that's why it, it, it is an art. It is because it, you know, we, we need to develop awareness and skills to deal with these essentially temptations. And they're temptations on, on us all the time. Uh, and, um, and, but it is, it is essentially a very simple uh, concept. <laughs> it's just very hard to put in practice. Yeah, I think it really is easy. I've had people say to me, Key, love is so hard. And I've said, no, it's not. Love is the easiest thing in the world. It really Mm -hmm. is. You just need to let go of control. Because when you want control over another person, that is not love. That's control. There's a huge difference. Huge. Oh, yeah. And, you know, when you have these impulses, it's the awareness. It's the awareness that you both come home from work. And you walk in the house and, and you're miserable and you had a bad day and, you know, first thing you're thinking is I need a glass of wine. And then your husband walks in the house and you can see if you're fully aware that he had a bad day and you ask the question, you say, how was your day? And he starts in, in your head, you have to remember, you know what, my day's not as bad as his. I'll take a step back on this one and allow to yourself to be there for that person. Then that person will be there for you when it's your turn. And you have to do... If you're both doing that, it works. And you can both do that because people think, well, I thought I was going to be able to change him when I got married or I thought she would be different after we got married. People don't change. You can't change anyone. They change because you change. That's the willingness. That's their will. That's their desire to change because you change. But you cannot make them change. You can, they can only change and come around. They can mimic what you do. So if you find that, you know, you are both in a situation, two people are in a situation, and one person is really trying to take control, that's not love. Right there, there's a problem because they're not seeing that you need to put the other person first and take a step back, and then the other person needs to, to be you know, next in line. And that's, I think that's, that's the hard part for people to give up control because they think it's not fair and they should be treated differently and with more... It's not respect, but more um, like ahead of the other person on a constant basis. You can't do that. That's just not going to happen. And I think that's probably why divorce rates are so high. You know, when we come from love, when we be the love that we are, that we're made of, because we are made of love. That's our source. That's what we are. Your life flows and all is well and there's no negativity. And you're coming from that place of love, so you're in that positive state. So everything's easy. Relationships work. Work works. Daily life works. And I don't know, that just seems to me to be an easy thing, but people have trouble with it. Do you think it's because they want control? Yeah, it, they do. And, um, and that goes to, to one of the major um, enemies, so to say, of ourselves, you know, which is, is our ego. You know, our ego is very demanding. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and control is one form of feeding that ego. And love you know, is essentially is the, is the cure to, to egocentrism and, and egotism. Uh, but, uh, I mean, again, we're fighting, we're fighting uh, one part of us. Uh, they, as you said, we are all, all about love. But from, from what we are, also there are egotistic impulses which you know, go to some mm-hmm. level at our self-preservation 
uh, and uh, if you know, let, let's go to the extreme. If we are like only loving uh, and not looking out for ourselves at all, you know, then you know we are likely not to be able to sustain ourselves. Like, let's go to the extreme. Um, so there is right. some there is some benefit of our self-serving you know drive. Uh, the issue is that 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 self-serving drive can can easily and become a monster and just like wanting and wanting and wanting uh, and that is the that is the ultimate um, uh, no enemy to 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 love you no know, the stronger your ego is you know, the, the the more we struggle with love so as you said uh, it is important to have the awareness what our ego is doing to us you know when as you said you come you see your your, your spouse coming in and you have a perception and you you see what your response to that uh, perception is, and if you are aware of that, then you can make a decision of of what you're gonna do with this. Uh, unfortunately, many times we are unaware. Uh, we're doing things, and and, and even and, and and only through interactions, you know, with somebody like you, we learn actually what what hap- what was happening in, in our in our mind in at that situation. Uh, and these things obviously happen very fast, but but this is a learning process. The more we're starting to focus on what's going on in our mind and into getting this awareness, the more we are able to you know to to um, to um, act differently in the in the same situation. Uh, but again, it, it is difficult because a we're not we're not aware often what was going on in our mind, uh, and b and these are habits you know we. Which had been forming for, <clears throat> excuse me, many many years and, and, and decades, and it's hard just to change them. But it is very possible, very possible. So we all, I, I believe, also we all can learn how to love, and we can become uh, better lovers, and we can become happier and better people because these things are connected. Uh, but it will require some some effort. And it, it, if you have the tools that you can put into practice as you're practicing your awareness, it, mm-hmm. you will get better and better at it. And you will get better at it quickly because you will see your own life change. You will see things, abundance will be coming to you in very different forms from every area, you know, right, left, up, down, and in between. I think what it is today is the overwhelm everybody. I don't know anyone who is not in a state of overwhelm. I mean, people come in and they'll be, you know, work is overwhelming. And then they take a vacation and they take their stupid cell phone with them because if they don't, they're afraid they're going to lose their job. I'm like, you know, your whole body needs downtime. You know, mm-hmm. we, years and years and years ago, there was a time when stores were closed on Sunday. And no one could go anywhere. You couldn't go to a drugstore. You couldn't go anywhere on a Sunday. The most you could do is go to a restaurant. But it was forced downtime. We don't have that now. And so there's no forced downtime, so everybody thinks they have to be going 24-7. So it's really hard when you're in a state of overwhelm to bring that awareness about. But if you have certain tools, you know, to use, you can do it and stop things dead in their tracks and start to change the neural pathways in your brain so that you're not, you'll notice it more quickly. And as you said in your book, the brain has a lot more to do with love than the heart. And people don't want to hear that. They want to think it's a very emotional thing. It is emotional. Mm-hmm. It comes from your brain. <laughs> you know? But yes. I think that it's overwhelm and that the brain does dictate so much to us. But if you went into your heart, if you stopped and said, I'm not going to listen to my brain, 
I'm going into my heart right now. What is, what is this doing to me? If I do this, will I be coming from the point of love or am I going to do this out of fear? Always get into the left lane. Go from the point of love. It'll be faster. It'll be a quicker commute. It'll be, life will flow <laughs> better for you. Always if you come from love. What do you think about that? Yes. Um, so <laughs> I just had to chuckle in, in, inside myself when you brought up that example uh, about the uh, the Sundays <laughs> because I grew up in Europe I grew up in Germany and and in in, in Germany we held on to our to our Sundays uh, not uh, having any shops open for a lot longer than than in the US and in fact uh, just un- un- until only a few years ago uh, they started mm. opening up Sundays and they're still and still in Germany at at, at this time you cannot, you know, you have lots of restrictions in terms of shopping on on Sundays, and uh, and people were very reluctant uh, just to give that up, and and I I, I think for good reason, and as, as you said, the it really is, it has become a, a a life where we are constantly distracted, you know, with the internet, with our phones, with the telephone, with it is it really has become. Um, Incredibly uh, overwhelming, and uh, and there really is no, it's, it's not an accident, it's not coincidental that we're seeing uh, the effect of this uh, in in terms of more um, anxiety. You know, I just Violence. read the report mm-hmm. the other day that just that the anxiety levels among uh, people is uh, is is increasing rapidly, and particularly among young people. I read this report in college among college students having a desire and anxiety disorders to a much greater level. Uh, so it manifests uh, in 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 various aspects of our society. We know that suicide rates are on the rise, uh, and it's hard mm-hmm. to just always blame everything on one thing. But it's it's you know it, it's quite um, uh, it's quite uh, um, compelling to 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 think that there are there are connections that we in fact having less and less time, as you said, to having some downtime. And the reason why it is so important is uh, again to identify our priorities. You know, we have so many distractions; it's very difficult, and we don't have downtime to to sit back and saying, "All right, you know, what is it really? What matters to me? What 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 matters really to my life? What?" And if we do these things, then it actually becomes apparent to us that the things that matter to us are relationships and is love. Uh, but if you don't pay enough attention to them, you know, then we will not have the benefits from it. And unfortunately, we're getting into uh, these cycles, and then and then and until we're going to hit like uh, some. Uh, Something bad, or, or or something happens, which then allows us to step back and say, "Huh, what is really, what is really important to us?" I mean, Christmas is just over, and I always bring up the example of um, uh, of George Bailey. You know, <laughs> it's a wonderful life. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves that movie. Uh, and and uh, he went through his life and was very frustrated where he was, was ready to jump off a bridge, but and then he had to be shown. What what really matters, you know, is is is, is relationships, you know, is is, is family, is, is wife, you know, is kids, and, and once he, he got he got to see it, how what what a wonderful thing this is, uh, then you know he, he was in, he was able to to dismiss everything else, uh, 
so, but the problem is that we go on with our lives and we, we, we tend to, to blend that out because of all the destructions. Destruction. So it is very, very important um, to have some time uh, periodically, and, and, and everybody has to find a way to, to carve out that time, and maybe prayers, and maybe meditation, and maybe any kind of form one choose, but we need some downtime just to, to uh, you know, re-tune ourselves into, or tune back into what is really important to us in, in, in life. Sure, and we need downtime so that you don't have high blood pressure. And you're a cardiologist. People die from high blood pressure, people. <laughs> it's oh, yeah. It's a silent killer, you know? I mean, it's big time. And nobody is ever on their deathbed saying, gosh, I, I wish I worked harder and made an extra 50 cents. You know, that doesn't, you don't hear those words. I do volunteer hospice, and most of it is pediatric hospice because that's where I feel it's needed the most. There are a lot of people mm. that do adult hospice, but even the few adult hospice situations I've been in, I've never heard anyone say, wish I worked longer, wish I worked harder, you know, wish I was more in overwhelm. That doesn't come up. What comes up is, I'm so sorry I wasn't there for you. I'm so sorry we didn't take a vacation. I'm so sorry. The regrets come up. Who wants regret at the end of your life? You know, uh, certainly not me. And, And all of this, too, is not just about love that's romantic and intimate in marriage. That's not what this is all about. This book encompasses all kinds of love. To me, I was reading it as whether it's a friendship, whether it is, um, you know, as I said, parent to child, sibling to sibling, people who work together, even people that you just meet. There are times when you look at somebody, if you're truly paying attention to what you're doing when you're at the checkout and you look in their eyes and say thank you when you look in their eyes, the, you know, the eyes of the windows to the soul, you will see a lot in a person. And when you say thank you in a way that is coming from that left lane of love, when you say thank you, they know it, that it's sincere, and they love that. They can feel it, and they'll say thank you, thank you, you know, and you can see their whole expression change, and I can see like the stress go away for just that moment, but what a moment it is for them, and they will probably remember it for the rest of the day, and it could be a pivot point for their day where things actually change because somebody was kind enough to them to recognize them in that moment and love them in that moment. So your book to me, love matters because I feel we're all, we're all connected through compassion mostly. I mean, I don't love people over on the other side of the world, but when there's a tsunami, I'll send money because of the compassion I feel. Well, compassion falls under the umbrella of love. So it is a form of love, but Given all that, that's, that's what connects us. That's what makes us who we are, is the compassion that we feel for our fellow human being. And the more that you put out there in compassion, you get so much back just from the feeling that you put out. And that love is there for everybody. It really can turn someone's life around in a big way. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Uh, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, and... Um, it is really central to our existence, uh, and and it comes out uh, particularly, unfortunately, often when there is something you know, happening in our life which kind of shakes us up, uh, and that is the tragedy, uh, because as you said, you know we can have that experience, you know, oh, this this this. This, uh, this wonderful experience of, of love, believe you can experience this every day. Uh, and um, 
it is it comes back to or keeping the focus on it and not being uh, being distracted and being uh, as you said in the moment you know even every little interaction with somebody matters and, and can have an impact but if our mind you know when we are at the cashier our mind is like already well what our next errand or we're doing something else later today uh, then we are not there we're not present and we're not really interacting with 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 the people present in a meaningful way uh, but if we maintain that focus uh, on 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 these interaction it will be much more rewarding you know for ourselves but as you said it also has an impact on 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 everybody else it, it is it is really true uh and i think um i i bring some support that also from 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 a science aspect that that love is 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 really a key impulse in in in, in humans and in fact uh, uh many biologists now believe that that the human uh, ability uh, to love is one of the uh, main reasons why humans have done so well uh, and um, particularly in this day and age when we are over overall we feel discouraged uh, we going seems to go through so through some rough times and i know of many people who who are not very happy in these days and saying, well, what's going on in this world? You know, we have so much divide in this country. We, there's a, a there's so many conflicts in this world now. Uh, we had a time where things seem to be seem to be a little bit um, uh, on a, on a better track, but right now it, it seems like there's 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 more conflict and uh, uh, more divide. Uh, and and people starting to be very you know pessimistic and uh, and, and gloomy uh, about uh, about our current state and well uh, certainly there's always there's always things which we can we can say well we wish they they could be better and uh, uh, and there's certainly a lot, a lot of problems uh, it would be hard to to deny that uh, but. But at the same time, there's a lot of good things going on, and it is really a matter of how how to look at things. Yes, we should not just uh, ignore the fact that there are a lot of problems, and you know, do our part this to to work towards resolutions of conflicts. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I think it helps a lot uh, to look at all the good things happening. There are a lot of people in this world who really have a kind heart and want to do the right things and and doing the right things uh, and uh, and and if we you know I, I mentioned in the book also if you have a bird's eye uh, perspective we, we actually do see that our world has become a lot better over the last uh, few decades or I, I give in the, in the book the example of the last hundred years I mean if you look back just a hundred years mm-hmm. which from the world perspective is just not even a blink of an eye. A lot of things happened in in these hundred years, and and really worked uh, towards a better uh, society. You know, with more social justice and, and and better understanding. So I do think that we are slowly moving in the right direction. But sometimes when we're in it, it's hard to see that, and and the progress is not always linear. It goes all zigzag, uh, but. Uh, I, I think it's important just to keep to keep a, um, a positive outlook uh, on life, and that there is uh, a lot of things uh, we can do, and, and there's a lot of things to be 
uh, quite uh, quite quite happy about and grateful for and you know it's yes. interesting because we have come a long way in 100 years of course there's been so much especially with technology which has brought us overwhelm as well so everything's got a positive and a negative pull to it and you know technology is great when it's used for good and when it's not used for good well it's not so great and it you know causes overwhelm and and then there's control issues of bosses who absolutely want you to have a a phone and, and text and everything like that and i have to be honest with you i mean i don't know how to text i don't have a magic phone i don't care i don't need to good be that <laughs> accessible to anyone you know yeah i just i don't want it for me, it just causes too much overwhelm and stress, and yet everybody wants me to jump in the boat with them. And I'm like, I'm not jumping in your boat. I'm going to stay over here where it's safe on the land, you know, and I don't want to be there. But I think your book is coming out at the perfect time because people, they really are looking for, well, what can I do? And so many people are, are finding within themselves they want to volunteer more. They want to be more purpose-filled and have a fulfilling life, and they know that they can only do that by being in service to someone else. When you're in service, to someone else, and, and I oftentimes tell this to my volunteers, when you're in service to someone else, you're helping your own soul's growth and you are in a place of love because you're giving to someone else and it makes your heart feel good. It makes your heart stronger. I believe that it probably makes your heart stronger even physically. Be you know, your blood pressure is good and you're doing wonderful things and you're feeling really good from within, not from something exterior because somebody gave you flowers. That's a great thing. We all need to be stroked. I get that. You know, and you do, it's nice to be acknowledged, but it's also nice to, to give back and show others how much you care and the purpose you find within your own heart, this is the self-care that you can give yourself. When people come in, particularly women, and they say, I don't do anything for me, why don't you go volunteer? And they'll say, oh, my God, T, that's something else I don't do for me. And I'll say, you'll be surprised. You will mm -hmm. be surprised at what it will do for you because it gives you confidence to do more for yourself because you're doing for others. You shouldn't do so much for others to the detriment of yourself. Again, that's not love. You know, you, you don't need to sacrifice yourself. Whoever the God is of your understanding does not want that from you. That's not what you're expected to be here. You're doing. You're expected to find joy for yourself and give joy to others and make it a beautiful little circle. So I think that your book speaks to all of that. At least this is what I got from it, okay, that when you're reading this book and you realize that it is an art form, but there are so many different ways you can practice it, it really is easy to You don't. You're in a relationship with yourself. Why don't you start with you? That would be a good place to start, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, and and you alluded to the the key of of balance. Ba it, life is all about mm. balance. You know, we we know that we know that from biology. And if you, as as a researcher or a medical doctor, the body is about balance. Every cell is about balance. And the universe is about balance. And uh, so striving for this balance is is extremely important. And, and as you said, um, you know, there's a balance in, in giving and in, in uh, giving to others, but uh, also you know, to take care of ourselves. Uh, and, uh, and this balance is, is delicate. And uh, But uh, often, unfortunately, you know, the balance is skewed towards um, for, to 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 cater more to our uh, selves and you know, to our to our e egotism than to others. And uh, in, but if we if we if we maintain that balance and 
and volunteering is, is, a, is a wonderful uh, thing to do, uh, just to, to uh, give more from ourselves, to give love. Uh, we, yeah, we would you'd be amazed uh, what, what, uh, what effect it has uh, on others as well as, as on ourselves. Uh, because it it speaks to you know to to who we are and, and and as we talked about several times it is really deeply anchored in us uh, that uh, uh, loving and, and compassionate uh, towards others uh, so if we don't or if we're actually practicing uh, a more egotistic life uh, that is then the situation which we you know often also see, you know, which typically does not lead to happiness. You know, these are people who just uh, oftentimes are very obsessed, you know, with uh, furthering their own status, wealth, etc. Uh, and, uh, and 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 we have lots of examples uh, from literature to you know movies, etc. You know, of of individuals uh, who live this this one-sided. Uh, life uh, only to find out that it, it does not make them happy. Uh, it is indeed it is indeed this balance we have to strive for, uh, which is um, uh, which is uh, ex- exceedingly important. And it, it means also that we have to know ourselves and know what is uh, what we all are, what we are all all about. And um, so and and that's a very critical uh, component which we really need to. Um, you know, probably uh, talk about it in more detail. That, that a lot of this you know, centers around our self-sufficiency or self-respect. You know, if we have trouble with us um, d- defining ourselves, uh, or, or rather uh, defining ourselves in the construct uh, of the society or by values of others. It's going to be a problem. Uh, so there is a there is a process, a maturing process, you know, which uh, leads us to accepting ourselves you know, for for who we are. And that sounds simple, and it's something often said. But again, it is something, if not accomplished, it, it leads to conflicts. And if we are, uh, if we we are believe that our self worth is dependent on certain achievements, uh, or again, mm-hmm. status, wealth, etc. It in- inevitably leads to disbalance in ourselves and, uh, and, and to constantly thriving to achieve these goals. And when, once we have that strong desire to achieve these goals, it will uh, distract us strongly, actually, you know, from from our effort to devote to relationships and love. And that's that's. Um, Again, a path to uh, inhibiting our own happiness. But, but again, that's something obviously you are very familiar with, and you probably experience uh, in your practice all the time. Yeah, and I think too that when people are in balance, the other stuff comes because you're in balance. You know, mm-hmm. you, the pendulum goes really far to the right. You can be really, really wealthy and not have anything else, or it goes really far to the left, and you can be in a relationship and not have any money because you're spending all the time in the relationship and not bothering to go to work. That's not good either. So when you come to balance, you have both. But people, and I think people, are really beginning to see this because in my yoga classes, I see more and more men coming to yoga over the past, I don't know, I'd say five to seven years than ever before, and they're coming 
in the form of attorneys, accountants, uh, you know, bankers. And these are people that wouldn't have stepped foot in a yoga studio and didn't even want to say the word yoga. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so they're trying to get in balance too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, and here, yeah, this is what we said earlier, that there are a lot of really positive developments in our society. I mean, if you look back five, five six decades ago, I mean, it's, it's hilarious if you actually read some of the excerpts of some old magazines about the, the gender roles and that the, the man was just you know, out there to do his uh, work and the, the mother and, and the, the wife stayed home and had to bear strict roles and they couldn't do this. And, uh, and the, I mean, how things have developed, I mean, it's, it's really quite, quite uh, encouraging. Yes, there's still issues and we're still not 100% there, but we really have made major strides. And, and one of the good part portions of this is also is that the fathers are much more involved now with the with yeah. the with with their children in their uh, in their upbringing and which is wonderful you know and it, it, again i know of many people uh, of uh, a generation where their father was not much involved at all in 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 their upbringing mm. and he was always at work or was not really when green came home he was not really interested but this has changed and and so I think it's there's a lot of you know, wonderful things, and and one of them is also that the men recognize, um, in general, that yes, I mean, uh, you know, we we all need to, to strive for balance, and this is very important just to uh, to nurture uh, all of our sides, and not just like you know, being out there and and trying um, to uh, uh, to be more successful in business or something else. And all of this is really, you know, it, it's forms of love, whether it's for love of self, love of someone else, as I said. Um, but one of the things that you mentioned in your book that I absolutely love, I, I love this part, and it's a big ticket item, is that love should be taught in schools. I just could not agree with you more. This world would be a totally different place if we all intentionally, with great awareness, lived from love. But we're human, and, you know, many find that, that can be too time-consuming or challenging. People are somewhat reactionary and would bode well for, for our society. So, you know, tell us a bit more about that because I think that's highly important. Yeah, well, I'm so glad that you bring that up uh, because that is also one aspect which is really, really, you know, important to me. And, um uh, I mean, it comes down to what we said before. It's all about priority. You know, what is what is uh, priority for our children to learn at school? I mean, we, we probably all agree, actually, that love is is the single most important aspect of our lives. And, and as such, you know, we would probably agree that we we should you know, place greater emphasis on making sure that our children know everything that helps them to have and hold love. In their lives, so that aspect I think most people will subscribe to. Uh, I mean, and uh, I mean, I have children still at school, and like many parents, I'm amazed how much work and stress the kids have to endure in, in this competitive uh, world uh, today. I mean, we alluded that to earlier, but there's there's a lot more academic pressure now on, on on children, and I cite some really frightening statistics in my book about the. Increasing yeah. stress levels among teenagers. I mean, a 2013 survey by the American Psychological Association cited that teenagers reported stress levels equaled 
or even exceeded those perceived by adults, and with approximately one-third of teens expressing signs of a depression. And uh, to cope yep. with increased stress, teenagers turn more frequently to alcohol and drugs, and, and most sadly, and also we alluded to it earlier, suicide rates are uh, increased by almost one quarter uh, between 1999 and 2014 in the United States, and just been 15 years, so an incredibly short span by one quarter, with the greatest increase among the females seen in girls between age 10 to 14. And this is horrifying. Mm. It's awful it is numbers. horrifying. It's, it's really, you know, it obviously it should get a lot more attention in, in our society, um, really implies a lot of pressure on our children to perform how it believes it makes them what it what it thinks to be successful um, uh, a, but, um, participants of the society uh, and but that's the point we are the society so we should make uh, we should have a say and what is it what is important you know for our children to get out of school. And we know that particularly teenagers are very vulnerable uh, you know, during, during teenage years, and they are in dire need for guidance and support. It's a phase, I mean, again, you know that more than anybody, it's a phase where they often feel least understood by their parents. It's a time they have all these puberty hormones clouding their brains, or at least affecting their brains, leading to confusion about their feelings. They have their first crushes, and, and they are, it's, it is very confusing. Uh, so all what I'm saying is that I think it would be valuable to have a, a love class in high school which focuses on discussions on love. And it, it just it has to be just uh, discussions. And, and it, shouldn't be, it shouldn't be for grades. It should be for attendance only. Uh, and it should be mm -hmm. the idea is there to, to you know, gather some perspectives independent from parents or other sources about the concepts of happiness uh, and and love and and just to make them think, what is love really all about? Is it really that magical feeling, or is there something else? And it is not to to indoctrinate them, but just to open their mind that there are other perspectives about about love, which is so important to them, and maybe make them understand that love is is not just a feeling, but is something actually they can learn and. That would be extremely empowering to them if you grow up and thinking, well, love is this great thing, we just have to wait for it, uh, as opposed to, well, we can have a very active role in it. I mean, I think there would be a very uh, constructive and powerful um, lesson. I think so, too, and I think they'd be able to contribute to society in much more meaningful ways because, first of all, when you learn love from this aspect instead of the falling in love part and getting married and having babies and all that, when you learn the actual art of love, you're going to get rid of bullying, judgment, comparison, entitlement, all of these things, and maybe it will stop some of the violence that we're seeing in the schools because somebody wasn't feeling loved because that's probably really what it comes down to is an abandonment thing. Yes, there's mental illness, but there's also, you know, people can snap and kids are so vulnerable. And if they're going to snap and they have access to something that's going to give them the means to, for retribution in a moment, they can do an awful lot of damage as we have seen in this country for many, many, too many years. And I think your idea is great in that, 
teach them because they're not necessarily seeing it at home. They're probably seeing two people working their butts off to maintain the McMansion that they live in with the, you know, the Mercedes in one garage and the BMW in the other. And God bless if that's what you have, but let's please make sure the children have furniture because I've been in homes where, you know, that's what's in the garage, but guess what's in the bed? A futon in the bedroom or no bed. You sleep it on the floor. The priorities are wrong from the parental standpoint. And that's not the over. Uh, you know, that's not the overall picture, but, or, or the overwhelming picture for, uh, you know, everyone, but it is out there. And I think a lot of children feel like they're not recognized, respected, desired, or wanted in their homes. And if you start to teach love like this, it will change. Because, and you cited this in your book, you talked about um, kids coming from the same family and having uh, similar perspectives. And that, I think that's true because they have similar perspectives on what they've learned. But I also think because I come from a background where I saw what was going on and I wanted no part of it. I wanted no part of what I saw that was going on. I was like, oh, I'm not going to do this. This is not what I'm doing when I get out, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and when I got out, I didn't, you know. And that's, that's the difference between someone who says, I've got to follow along and do what they say, and someone who says, I don't want to have that life. Now, I don't know where that came from. I don't know why that was my thing, but that was my thing. And I did not, it wasn't taught to me. It was just, I recognized something that I didn't want to be or do, and I went the other way. And I think if in school it was taught to be able to do that, to see that, what do you see and what can you learn from that in your own home environment, to have an environment at school where kids can talk freely, truly freely, about this aspect of love, the art of cultivating love in a way every day, in everyday life, so it isn't necessarily bringing in relationship issues as far as romance and dating, but the other aspects of love, yeah, I, I, I'm right there. I really think that that would help us so much with the way that our society is, is, is lashing out right now. Yeah, I, I really do. And I, you know, if anything, it's just for them just to – you know, gain some understanding in the in the mechanisms uh, involved, you know, because people don't think about it, and, uh, and just to kind of open the mind, say, well, this, this is something which may be happening there, and think about you know how this uh, how relationships actually you know work. So I think it would be very interesting to them in a in a in a time where they're thinking a lot about these things anyway, about love and, and relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if anything, it would just get them out of that academic world for just a little bit. Yeah. Just did all that things, constantly thinking about this grade and then this this next one, and just you know, give them a little outlet. To say, well, there is more to academia in this in this life, and there's probably uh, something which is even more important than academia. And uh, and think about you know to to let them think about these things. I think would be very valuable, and I think it would be very easy to uh, to implement. You know, I don't think it would uh, take much, and it's just something which we as society need to uh, speak out for and saying, well, that is a priority. We all have children. Uh, we all decide uh, what our, you know, our, our children uh, will learn at school. Uh, we Many of us believe that our education system is outdated, <laughs> and uh, and it's not really uh um and not really 
uh, appropriate anymore for for this day and age. Uh, so there's a lot of discussions, but this is something you know which can be probably implemented you know, rather quickly and, and, and indeed uh, I believe you know may have uh, an impact. And in you know they could do it easily through you know, biology class, philosophy class, yes. history, religion. You know there's right. so many sociology. Um, there's so many different classes you could bring the book in and say, guess what we're reading this semester? This is what we're going to read, and this is what we're going to do. And, and you know a really good teacher will pick up on that. That that's the key is finding the teacher that says this is a really interesting and unique way to go, and I'm going to do it, and really start to foster that. I cannot believe I mean that we are almost at the top of the hour. Actually, we're past the top. The hour, but before we go, would you please well, tell our listeners fun. how they mean it has? You know, a show is great when it goes really quickly. Please tell our listeners how they can learn more about you and your work and where they may purchase your book, The Forgotten Art of Love. Oh, well, thank you, T. Yeah, well, I, I do have a website also at um, the Forgotten Art uh, of Love dot org and um, and uh, yeah, the book you you can get it on Amazon. Uh, and uh, but yeah, please visit me on my website and uh, uh, contribute to some of the discussions. Uh, that would be great. I think that this book would make a really great gift for a number of people. It, it would make a great you know top uh, put it on top of a wedding gift instead of just giving a card give this book with your gift if you're giving money a shower gift uh you know give it to your kids for a birthday or a graduation or whatever is coming up this day whatever holiday you celebrate you know um whatever it is any gift giving occasion even a non gift giving occasion just make something up and say i just got this because i love you this is a really wonderful book and i think people will get a lot out of it so i have to thank you armin so much for being on air it's been a great show i've loved it i i hope you have i'm going to do the outro but i'm asking you to stay online so i can talk to you afterward if that's okay thank you so oh, much for joining us thank thank you t Thank you again for having me on the show. It's been really, it's been a pleasure. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Okay, listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a very challenging and constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests that I do, to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we are meant to live, productively, healthfully, purposefully, and from your heart. And this is where you find the tools to do just that. So send the link for this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they can learn and grow and make the world a better place for all. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. My name is T. Love, and I hope you'll be back next week for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. Please also check out Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, where every dollar of every donation directly supports supports children in need, 100%. We're run solely by volunteers, so there are no salaries, stipends, or compensation of any kind to anyone. And you can learn about our fundraising campaigns and see exactly where the money goes and how it helps kids in need. So check that out at sojihuggles.org. Don't forget to follow me on both Twitter at NRG Aware Radio and at Soji Huggles. I am your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well.